0: All right, what's going on tonight, guys? Um, it's good to see everybody here. Uh, so I thought about writing on the board, um, just like Introduction to Architecture 101, and, like uh, Professor Franzen or something like that, because uh, that's really what I wanted tonight to like kind of be, It's just kind of an introduction um, to... Here's the thing about architecture. When you start building a building, do you start from the top or the bottom? Bottom. Bottom, right. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight, is uh, the foundations. And so I thought about naming this foundations or Introduction to Architecture. I don't really care. Um, we'll see what ends up on the Spotify, I guess. Uh, but I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read a bunch of scripture. Well, not a, not a bunch. A, a decent amount. I want to clarify, I don't know. I've had more scripture on here before. Um, Father God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the body. Thank you for this group. Thank you for the scriptures. We give this night to you. Uh, Let every agenda that's not yours be cast down and thrown away. Let every will that's not yours be broken and submitted to you. Let the words that I say not be my own, but yours. Let it be exactly what you want, nothing more, nothing less. We give this night to you, and we thank you for the opportunity to do so. Amen. Thanksgiving was yesterday. Thanksgiving is a holiday that's built on manifest destiny, which is the ethnocentric, genocidal tendency of the European settlers in North America. That's a different rant, but what happens the day after Thanksgiving? That's and National, what? National Native American Heritage
1: Day. Technically, it is funny. It's on purpose. <laughs>
0: For Christmas. People get ready for Christmas. Molly, you work at a large warehouse kind of store. Have you put up Christmas decorations?
2: Bunches
0: already. The day after Thanksgiving, the Christmas decorations go up. In my own parents' house, they put the Christmas tree up after they eat. It's I guess it's kind of a thing in middle class America. You eat and then you put the tree up. Christmas time is here which means we're going to talk about it, because topical teachings are what I'm all about. Jeremiah 10, 2-4. Thus
1: says the Lord, Learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed by them. For the customs of the peoples are vanity. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hands of the craftsmen. They decorate it with silver and gold,
0: they fasten it with hammer and nails so that it cannot move. <laughs> We're just coming right out of the game. Here's the thing, Christmas is a combination of many different winter solstices, right? You have the ancient Romans, uh, what was the day, Saturnalia? Mm-hmm. It was to celebrate um, one of the infant gods, Mithra?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mithra? Yeah. Mithra? Mithra and Saturn. And then you have the Scandinavian Yule, yes. right? Am I thinking of that right? And then you also have all of the other winter solstice festivals that were kind of around. Um, Germany also has a large part to play in, in traditional Christmas pageantry and the symbolism, right? Uh, the, the church adopted Christmas around the 4th century. They wanted to celebrate the birth of Jesus with a day. They figured, by combining it um, with a day that people were already celebrating, they could get it to stick around. I would like to read that scripture once more, in the light of all this Christmas trivia.
1: Thus says the Lord, learn not the way of the nations.
0: Oh! Hold on. Learn not the way of the nations. Now, again, I'm telling you, this is a winter solstice holiday. It's all about festivals at night. It comes from a lot of different nations. None of them are Israel. Please keep reading.
1: Nor be dismayed by the signs of the heavens, because the nations
0: are dismayed at them. Signs of the heavens? Do you know what a winter solstice is? (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I think it's the shortest day of the year. Maybe. At any rate, it's a sign of the heaven. <laughs> but
1: the customs of the peoples are vanity.
0: Vanity. The customs of the people are vanity. Does that mean they're worth a lot? No. 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 It means the opposite. Now, again, I, I don't really care so much um, about the trees part, uh, because that's in reference to something else. It's not in reference to Christmas trees. I just think it's kind of funny um, that that particular scripture brings up trees and
3: decorating them,
0: and decorating them cutting them down and bringing them inside. Um, I, <laughs> I I don't know. and And I know that verse isn't talking about Christmas trees, I'm not saying every Christmas tree is, is an affront in the eyes of God. I just think it's kind of funny. <laughs> Matthew seven thirteen through 14.
4: Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few.
0: So do you know why the church adopted Christmas as a Christian holiday? Uh, Because they could get it to stick. Um, Why? Because it was easy. Instead of, I don't know, enforcing everybody take the Sabbath like the Pharisees tried to do, or something like that, they just said, Oh, they're already doing this, let's just smack the name of Christ on it and call it ours. It was easy. But the way that it's easy, it's not the way that Christ would have us choose. Just because we gain traction doesn't mean it's a good idea. Just because it's easy means it's probably a bad idea. The way to life is hard indeed. The path of Christianity is one that is fraught with challenges, difficulties, roadblocks. I think sometimes the Christmas message gets a little bit lost in the confusion. coming of the Savior of the world that's fantastic and worthy of celebration, but maybe more than one day a year. And maybe with the message of the cross, of taking up your own cross, also attached to it. Isaiah one thirteen 13
2: 13-14 Bring no more vain offerings, Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations, I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them.
0: If we celebrate things in vain, they become a burden to the Lord. That's what happened in Isaiah 1. I pulled a few from it. Not the whole thing. If you want the whole chapter, read the whole chapter. That's cool. I don't want to read the whole chapter today. I want to tell you, the people of Israel had their festivals, their new moon days, all their celebrations. Even if they had the name of Yahweh on them, even if they were of Israel, they were in vain, and therefore a burden to the Lord. They stopped meaning anything. And so He disliked them. Do you know what Christmas means now? Consumerism. Gifts. And pagan symbology. There's a little bit of Jesus in there. Just a little sprinkle at the end. It was tacked on. Done just because it would make it easier. James one twenty seven.
1: Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world.
0: Unstained from the world. Why does the church during Christmas look so much like the world during Christmas? Can we all come together? Sure. But the church, pure religion, is to be unstained. You look at Christmas, it's pretty stained. I bring up Christmas because it's topical. I think it applies to a lot of other things. I'll Just leave that there for now. Mark seven thirteen.
3: Thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do.
0: Many such things you do. Make void the tradition. Sorry, make void the word of God. With the traditions of man handed down. Jesus was railing at the Pharisees for doing that. Um, I went to Pompeii. When I was 17. It was um, a fantastic experience. It was really cool. It was really something. But um, something that kind of hit me about Pompeii was how well-preserved it was. And something that they've actually found is graffiti, which I think is kind of funny. And some of the graffiti is um, vulgar. You know, stuff like, Marcus, I slept with your mom last night. Literally things like that. Drawings of penises on the sides of buildings just because they were funny. Um, I did visit a brothel, and there was a picture menu. Uh, instead of any words, because of how multicultural it was, <laughs> and so after after walking around the whole day of Pompeii, <laughs> I, I realized something: uh, people are just people, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, like in high school, you just draw penises. You know, if you got your buddy's homework, what are you gonna do on it? You're gonna graffiti it. You're gonna say, "Hey, slept with your mom." You know, it's, it's, it's gross, but it's what we do. And it's what we've always done. Like, people are, are, are just people. People have always been people. And people will always be people. It's not, it's not some new thing that we're vulgar and gross and all that, you know? That's what hit me about Pompeii. But when I read that you've nullified the Word of God with the traditions of men, I understand he's talking to the Pharisees. But the Pharisees are the religious people of the time period. And people are just people. And if we did it then, we can do it now. I don't think there's anything particular to that time other than the Messiah. People are just people. Now, Christmas means a few things. Maybe some of your family members who don't really go to church might go to church. Um, You know, and, and we go and see our family, right? And I know if I come against Christmas, I come against family time and Christian family values and all of the fun things that we all do with our family every winter, and this is what we've always done and what we'll always do. And I enjoy some of that, but I, I don't know, I just kind of want to bring this up for consideration. I, I, I won't say this is doctrine, I won't say this is a commandment of the Lord. It's something to think about. Luke eight nineteen through 21
1: Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they would, could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it.
0: Christian family values. That's your Messiah talking. Now if you're worried about just pulling one verse out of context, I think that's valuable. But it's in two other Gospels, I think. I put the other one, well one other one. Matthew 12:46 through 50.
4: While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside, asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother
0: who is my family, but one that does the will of my Father in heaven. They were in the room. He said that to their face. Christian family values should mean unity with the church. Instead, they mean gathering on a pagan festival. I just think that's a little odd. I think we get normalized into something we don't realize how weird it really is. And you're probably wondering why am I just railing on Christmas tonight. Matthew 7:24 through 27.
2: Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does will be like a wise man who built his house on the rocks. And the rain fell and the and the floods came And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And when the rains fell and the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it.
0: Good foundations, bad foundations. They make or break the architecture. You gonna have the best building, but if it's on a bad foundation, it's not going to stand. I just want to say, I think if Christmas had a better foundation, it might be something different. I think the foundation of the winter solstice days of many nations, I wouldn't consider that a firm foundation on the Word of Christ. I might even consider it opposite, but that's a dangerous thing to say. Our foundations matter. What we start off in matters. What we're built on matters. Christmas is kind of a mess. It's filled with fighting, consumerism, Not to mention the uh, suicide rates. Those that are left in the cold, in the dark. Those are the homes to go to. Because we put too much worth in blood family. But the blood of the covenant is stronger than the water of the womb is the full. Saying means the opposite. Who is my mother? Who is my brother? I tell you this is the one that does the will of my father. I just think if we had done this right from the outset, maybe it wouldn't be such a mess. Do you know why I say we? Because it's the church's mistake and on an outside criticism i try to be an inside reformer i still believe in the church it's because i believe in it that i push So with that brief introduction, I want to get into, what should the foundation be if it's not pagan solstices? Great, we've learned one story of what not to do. We can learn 30 stories of what not to do, they don't really help. Let's learn some stories of what to do, right? Good thinking gang. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. Now there's like a whole bunch of debate, and there's like that big Catholic thing, right? Peter's the rock, um, you know, and and uh, Peter means rock. And he said, "On this rock, Petra, I will build my church." Right? And he's Petros. And like I, you know, a lot of people argue like there are different connotations of the two words, and they're different words. And I guess technically yes, but Petra is a woman's name. So if he was going to say Petra, it just doesn't make sense. You know, his name was Peter, not the female equivalent of Patricia. Yeah, it's, it was more Patrick, but close. <laughs> you know, I, I so um, I'm not really here to debate whether Peter is the rock or not. Um, I think he was a foundation of the early church in a way. There was an early church father understanding um, that the revelation of the identity of Jesus Christ was the foundation. That really didn't change until the 5th or 6th century, when people started thinking that Peter was the rock. Now, it also had to do with the political system of establishing the office of the Pope. If they could say that Peter is the first Pope and Peter is the rock then suddenly they have uh, justification for one man being Christ's vicar on earth. Now, when I read the Bible again, it says that uh, all Christians are the image of God and the ambassadors of Christ. But that's kind of a different debate, and I'm not trying to be too anti-Catholic tonight. (laughs) I will say... (laughs)
1: <laughs> the, the
0: foundation, being the revelation of Christ, is not just a debate that includes this scripture. And I will say that scripture backs up the understanding that the foundation of the church is built on the revelation of the identity of Jesus Christ. And that's the next scripture, 1 Corinthians 3, 10-15.
4: According to the grace of God, sorry, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ.
0: No, which is Peter? No, no, which is Jesus Christ, which is Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ. Right? Yeah. Last name. Jesus Christ is not is not it's not a last name, thank you. <laughs> the Christ is, is his actual identity and role on the earth. The Christ, the Messiah, the anointed lamb slain for all mankind. That's the foundation in First Corinthians.
4: though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire.
0: Only as through fire. Fire, fire, what's fire? Is it hell? You already know what I think about that. But here's the thing about fire. First Peter 1, 6 or 7.
1: In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Various trials. So that the tested genu genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire.
0: Tested by what? Fire. The gold? Yes. Okay, so so there's a parallel, right? If faith is tested by trials, gold is tested by fire. Fire. Could fire be a, a parallel to trials? That's what the verse is setting up. Yeah, yeah. That's the, 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 the language he's using. The fire refines. The trials refine. Mm-hmm. Continue.
1: May be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus
0: Christ. At the what? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation of Jesus Christ, doesn't that sound like something? Yeah. Maybe the foundation. So whether you build on the foundation or not, trials will refine it. But trials might also burn it up. It depends what the building material looks like. You know when something hard comes your way and you just kind of give up? You ever see that, Christians? They're asked to give up something and they just won't. They hear something from God and they don't do it. And it just kind of sits and sits and it languishes. And they fall away. They are burned up by the trial. Now I also think that's allegorical to the last day of judgment. Mm -hmm. I do, personally. Uh, The lake of burning sulfur is the second death. That's the verse in Revelation. The second eternal conscious torment? No. The second death. death. (sighs) Sorry, I'm getting more conditionalist. I think it absolutely can refer to the end times. The second coming. The last day of judgment. Whatever you want to call it. But I think the language works, stretches across multiple levels, uh, because, you know, maybe... um, The divine nature of the Bible allows it to be a divine book. And so maybe those multiple levels are not coincidental at all. But a running motif. Do we know what motif means? Kylie, what does motif mean?
1: That's
0: okay. A recurring literary item.
1: Like it's it's some it's not just a it's not just a, a motif is not a theme that occurs over and over it's an actual like
0: A the theme is object. usually more a lesson
1: yes it's an object that occurs over and over and over and it symbolizes something else yeah. or it, I think it can be
0: an event too so like yeah like a running motif kind of plays an alternate role you know so like the the trials being fire and fire being the refining of the church, that's a running motif. Fire is the refiner. Yeah. Okay. Why is that important? Why are we talking so much about it? Um, Mark nine forty-eight through fifty. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not
1: quenched, for everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves, and be at peace with one
0: another. For everyone will be salted with fire. Now, that verse is also um, pushed back from the traditionalist to the conditionalist, uh, where the fire is not quenched, the fire is unending. Sorry, that's not what
1: the word quenched means. Like, not quenched and not ending are not
0: the same thing. I think the Greek says Eternal. Let me check. It's a pretty simple rebuttal. It's
1: to extinguish or quench. Like, it's very specific to fire. It's, that's, eternal happens, it's not in that verse.
0: Here's the thing. Even if it is eternal fire, that speaks to the power and nature of the fire, not that which is burned up in it. Oh, okay. That's all I'm really going to say. I, I I don't know. Like, I, I don't feel like it, it needs a bigger rebuttal. Um, If it does, and you want to sit down and have that conversation, traditionalism versus conditionalism, uh, we can. However, I think you're reading it into the text a little bit if you think that the fire dictates the nature of that which is burned in it. If you throw a marshmallow in a fire, and the fire outlasts the marshmallow, we're not really surprised. (laughs) What I do want to pull from that though, everyone will be salted with fire. Now, you might be like salted with fire, so we just like put some salt in our food. Almost. Um, Salt is a preservative. Salted means preserved. Everyone will be preserved with fire. If you read into that the allegory... Of fire being trials that refine, everyone will be preserved with the trials that refine. Of course, then you could also say everyone will be salted with fire. Trials are going to come, whether you're a Christian or not. Who knows, right? Who knows whether you'll stand? Well, it depends on your foundation. So, I want to go back, bring you back to Matthew 7, and then we'll skip down here. Matthew seven twenty-four through 27, again.
1: Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it.
0: If it's got a good foundation, it's going to stand against the storm. Against, maybe, the trial. If it's got a bad foundation, it will fall. Something I see every now and again is somebody who really likes worship music, and I'm okay with that. I love worshiping. I like a lot of worship songs. I know a lot of them by heart. I listen to a lot of them. But somebody likes worship music so much that they forget the Bible, they forget doctrine, They forget learning, and they focus their walk with God with both how often they worship and how they feel when they worship. Now how you feel when you worship is not a revelation of Jesus Christ and the identity of the Messiah. Do we understand that? Therefore, it is not the firm foundation upon which the church is built. Are we there? And so, if you if something goes wrong in your life and your faith falls apart because your foundation is not there, we're not surprised. And unfortunately, we're warned against that. Well, fortunately, actually. <laughs> I don't know. Unfortunately, we don't teach that enough. It's not just enough for the pastor to teach one sermon on it. It's, it's, it's supposed to be equipping for the saints, right? That's, that's what teaching is. It's a gift that the Spirit may work through an individual to equip the saints, to equip the people of God. Okay, so this is not just me correcting you or whatever that means. Like, this is not a sermon for, for your benefit alone. But this is an equipping, right? So if, if we just understood teaching more as an equipping, then we would have people say like, hey, your foundation is off, dude. Like you need to go back and, and be revealed the nature of Christ once more. If the church did that, and didn't just leave it to the one man on stage, well, things would go better. But when you delegate things out to a man who's not really you, absolve yourself of responsibility, you might be hearing something and not doing it. And that sounds like a scripture. sounds like you might be building on something, and when the storms come, you're going to be torn down. The church is going to be torn down. The temple of the Holy Spirit is going to be torn down. To do it for him oh, no, no. It's just in Matthew seven. We read it. That's cool, I and mean, I appreciate that. But
1: you just,
0: like, directly... <sighs> yeah, it's a it's a running theme. You might say. I don't know the difference between a theme and a motif. <laughs> 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 let's let's read more scripture. First <laughs> yeah, Peter two four through eight.
3: But those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they they disobey the word as they were destined
0: to do. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Jesus Christ was divisive. He caused a few people to take offense at the things that he was teaching and the things that he was doing. If you want more on that, just read Matthew 23. <laughs> he, he just <laughs> blasts the Pharisees for an entire chapter. He was divisive by nature. Now, I'm not saying that we have to go into a church body and be divisive. I think we should be um, always seeking unity with the believers. I think that's a, a holy and a righteous thing to do. But I will say, when Jesus Christ uh, forced the decision on people, He forced them to either reply or not reply, and to not reply is to reject. He was divisive because He pushed that decision. I think if if we have decisions forced upon us, our inner nature is revealed a little bit. You know, it's it's said, um, when a man has nothing, you don't really know who he is, because all men become the same. It's when a man has power that it's revealed what kind of man he is. Mm. I think there's great wisdom in that. Because it forces decisions. It reveals a little bit more. Jesus Christ is that cornerstone. Causes stumbling, right? Causes offense. But He's also the cornerstone of the temple. And you yourselves are living stones. Architecture is important. Because of this. If our foundation is off, it falls apart. If we don't build it right, the storms will knock it over. And if we don't build it with the right materials... It won't survive the fire. Alright, that harkens back to the 1 Corinthians 3. You know, you build it with wood, you light it on fire, it's going to burn down. That's not complicated. You build it with stone, you light it on fire, not a whole lot's going to change. And in 1 Peter, are we the living logs? Or the living stones? Is it dumb? Yes. Stones don't live either, though. We're the living stones. Right, I'm just saying, like, the metaphor is dumb just because we're not, like... Just because it's literally not the scripture. Like, logs don't live, stones don't live. Right, but are we logs or stones? We're stones. Yes. Yeah. What's burned up by fire? Logs or stones? Logs. <laughs> logs. Do, we, do Okay, do, Just do we get the point I'm trying to make? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think... I don't think stones... I don't think we just like drew a building material out of a hat. And so like, oh stones, I guess. All right, we're living stones of the temple of God. I don't think I don't think that happened. I think stones was intentional because it's not burned up by fire. Okay, that's all I'm trying to say. Give me a break, jeez. Oh, I'm sorry. Romans 15: 17 through 20.
4: not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation.
0: Why is Paul not trying to build on somebody else's foundation? That's a good question. Why is Paul the apostle not trying to build on somebody else's foundation? Ephesians 2.20
1: Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone.
0: Foundation of the Apostles and Prophets. The Apostles and Prophets all point to a revelation of the nature of Christ, right? All of the Old Testament prophets are leading up to this moment of the Messiah, right? Every Apostle is a messenger about the nature of the Messiah. Paul himself was like, guys, I was a Jew. I was the Pharisee's Pharisee. I was that guy, But then I met Christ, this is his identity and because of that, this is my identity. Mm -hmm. The foundation is a revelation of Jesus Christ, but that foundation is set by the apostles and prophets. Mm -hmm. That's why he's not trying to build on somebody else's foundation. He himself sets the foundation of the nature of Jesus Christ. Luke 14, 26 through 30.
4: If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters.
0: Christian family values.
4: Yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down...
0: Oh, we're building again.
4: Does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish.
0: This is why adding members to the church is important. Right? Because we cannot just set a foundation and walk away. This is why, um, this and a verse in Matthew 23 are reasons I don't really like a lot of mission trips and the way that they're approached and done. I said a lot of them, not all of them. Okay? I think, I think that when we set a foundation of the revelation of Jesus Christ, we should see it through and build the full tower, build the full temple. Because if we don't, what's, what are the consequences in that story? People just laugh at us. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess that's like one consequence, but then the other is, you know, dishonoring the temple of the Lord and not providing him a dwelling place. But um, Acts 5, 35-40. I'll just drop that there and we'll keep going. And he says the men of Israel, take care of what you oh,
3: do.
0: Oh, okay, hold on. Sorry. This is Gamaliel. Uh, he's a member of the Sanhedrin. They just arrested uh, Peter and John. Maybe? I think it was him. Yeah. They arrested some, some disciples. They brought him before him, and they're. Peter and John? They arrested Peter and John. Uh, Bible trivia points for Luke. Um, they brought him before the Sanhedrin, and Gamaliel, like, they, just, they were like, okay, we'll just kill him. And Gamaliel's like, A- and he's going to say something, and Emily's going to read what he's going to say. I'm not going <laughs> to paraphrase that. <laughs> I'm just I'm setting the scene like the intro guy for the um, Twilight Zone. Nobody read those. Uh, nobody watched those. anybody watched those? Okay. All right.
3: I watched it. And he said to them, "Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do to the with these men." For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about four hundred, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. Whoops. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go.
0: It was a merciful thing for them to do. Beat them up, tell them to stop doing that. (laughs) They they were going to kill them. He said, do not oppose them. You might find yourself opposing God. If this thing is of God, you cannot stop it. And if you try to, you might find yourself opposing God. He used a few different stories of people that had had said that they were something. And then when they died, it just fell apart. It's going to be awful, I'm just going to say it. Part of the success of the Mormon church, the the longevity of it, comes with the continued identity of a prophet. Right? After one dies, another rises and says, I'm a prophet. And that's why they continue. After Joseph Smith died, it really did almost fall apart. Well and truly, just right there, I'm not sure how much longer the Mormon church will be around I do not think they are Christian They baptize in both the name of Christ and of Joseph Smith the Bible teaches against that It says if I come to you preaching another gospel Let it be accursed Even if appearing as an angel of light Joseph Smith claimed to be visited by an angel of light That doesn't really change my opinion I just want to say that Just address that kind of elephant in the room. The other thing... people might oppose what we're trying to do. We're trying to tear down the commandments of man, the things built on faulty foundations. The laws of man, traditions of man, those that would rebuild the law and call it Christianity, Those that would nullify the Word of God, quench the Spirit of God. Those that would have a form of godliness but denying of its power. We have, um, I guess you would say beef with that. (laughs) There's some beef with that. It's scripturally backed, righteous beef, but beef it is. Holy cow. Yeah, uh, if you didn't hear that on the recording, Nathan <laughs> just said, Holy cow. <laughs> I'm. I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs>
4: you just ignored it? Like, it would have been fine. Like, I know.
0: It, it completely messed I'm I'm just upset. I don't know. That's what you get for making of a person. I know, I shouldn't have said beef. Here's the point. Here's the point, right? We get when we get down all to it. What we're doing is of God. And you know, we have no intention of splitting the church, separating the church, um, saying, we're right and you're wrong. You know, our mistakes as a church, our mistakes as Christianity, we'll own that. Honestly. I It's never my intention to say, we're these Christians and they're those Christians. I also specifically use the word Christians because there's a new theme of saying, we're not Christians, we're Christ followers. Or, I'm not religious, I'm in love with Jesus. Or something like that. Any Any variation on the... That theme, it's those and us, us and them. I'm a Christian. That's all I am. I think that's important. I think what we're doing is of God. And I honestly would charge anybody listening think carefully before you oppose. No, that does not mean don't correct. Correction is supply. It's an important thing. It's a valuable thing. Church doesn't survive without it. Or, even if it does survive, it does weird things, like making the winter solstice suddenly mean the birthday of Jesus. It's not really that important, but the birthday... Jesus was probably sometime in the spring. That's what happens without correction. Correction is important. I'm just saying, if you want to say that we should stop and quit and give up, be careful. Because you might find yourself opposing God. That's not really a good place to be. Foundations are important. But it all starts with the revelation of Jesus Christ. If it's anything other than that, it'll be tossed about, torn down, burned up. It won't last. Architecture is important. I think a lot of architecture, symbolism and motifs are used because Jesus was trained as a carpenter. But they also make sense. And it works. It's an important thing to keep in mind. Now, I'm not using all of this to just bash around Christmas. I think Christmas is one example of a larger truth. In the same way that I approach conditional immortality, I think it's one example of a larger truth. I think the way that we approach the traditional view of hell is one of just accepting what's handed to us. And I think that's not scriptural. I think the way that we approach traditions of man is just one of handing it to us and saying, okay, this is just what we do. Oh, cool, drag a tree inside and dress it up. Sounds good to me. Bible probably doesn't say anything wrong with that, so might as well do it. I know it's Old Covenant and it's talking about something else, okay? It's a larger truth at play. Uh, something's built on the wrong foundation, It becomes the wrong thing and it doesn't stand up to the trial.